The first reading for our celebration of the Ascension of our Lord, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes from the Acts of the Apostles, the first chapter. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold... Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Christ has risen from the dead. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands. He has put all things under his feet. This reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, the first chapter. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. 
And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father. And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The sun had gone down long ago. Prayers and bedtime stories were finished up. and We were tucking Michael in. This was years ago. He prefers to tuck himself in now. And out of nowhere, he looks up at Amy and me and says, I know that God paints the sunrise with his left hand. Wondering where in the world this was going, we asked him how he knows that. And he said, because Jesus is sitting on his right hand. (laughs) Now, while that's not theologically accurate, he kind of got it. And we knew that he was listening in a way that maybe we thought he wasn't. Well, today we celebrate the ascension of our Lord. But what exactly is that? Well, as our readings illustrate, we are celebrating the day, 40 days after his resurrection, when Jesus physically rose up into heaven in the sight of the disciples. Let's face it, it really isn't much of a celebration, is it? Did you have any idea that the ascension was coming up? Did you know that it's actually not today, but Thursday, and it always falls on a Thursday, because that's 40 days after Easter? I mean, when Christmas rolls around, the whole world is counting down, even if it's just for the cookies and the presents, and so we know that's coming. Even Easter gets some attention from the world, because it's an excuse to eat lots of candy, and Cadbury cream eggs are available again for a little while. Even if people aren't recognizing the real reason for these holidays, you can't really miss them. Because everybody is at least partially aware of Christmas and of Easter. But ascension? I mean, let's face it, the world really couldn't care much less. And that's sad. Because the ascension of our Lord is actually very important. So important, in fact, that it stands as one of the basic fundamental necessities of the Christian faith. In our creeds, it is listed right along with Christmas and Easter. To be a scripture-believing Christian, you confess that Jesus was born of Mary, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again. But then, in all three of the creeds, the Apostles, Nicene, and Athanasian, we go on to confess that Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God. Now, you've said that phrase many times, but have you ever wondered what exactly that means? Did you, like young Michael, have the image of God the Father sitting on a throne with a tiny little Jesus in his outstretched palm? Or is this one of those phrases that you've said so many times and just never really even considered what it's about? When we confess that Jesus now sits at the right hand of God, are we saying that Jesus has left us, that he's no longer here on earth? 
I mean, it sounds like it, because we know that heaven is far away. We can't see it, and we know that we can't get there until after we die. So if Jesus is seated there, it kind of seems like he left us. That when he rose, he left the earth for a while, kind of watches from afar, and once things get bad enough, then he's going to swoop back in once more and save the day. Now, if this is the case, if the ascension of Jesus is his leaving us behind while he goes back to heaven, why on earth would we celebrate that? I mean, that would be awful. And so thanks be to God that that's not what actually happened. And we know that from the Bible and from the reaction of the disciples who were there and saw it. When Jesus ascended, they stood staring at the sky, and the angels came and they asked them, Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as he saw him go to heaven. Now, If that account from Acts is all that Luke gave us, we might still think that Jesus is gone. He's gone up to heaven, but he'll come back someday, so there's a glimmer of hope. But in the Gospel reading, also written by Luke, we hear that the disciples worshipped Jesus after he ascended, and that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, which isn't what you do if your Messiah has just left you behind while he goes back to the joys of heaven. Do you remember when Mary recognized Jesus on Easter morning? Do you remember what it was that Jesus said to her? He said, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. This wasn't Jesus saying, Hey, come on, Mary, no hugs, I'm Lutheran. He was saying, Don't get too fixated on my presence in this physical form. Don't think that this body is the only way that I am with you, because that's going to change very soon. When Jesus ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God, it wasn't to leave us behind. It was to take his rightful place of power and glory to rule over all creation. I'm sure you've heard that phrase of someone's right-hand man. Do you know what that means? Well, it's actually rooted in the same meaning as what we confess in the creeds. While a king would make all the rules and decrees of the land, he didn't necessarily carry each of them out personally. And with all of his other duties and responsibilities, he often had to delegate some very important work to other people. But you wouldn't give that kind of kingly authority to just anyone. It had to be someone that you trusted with your very life. Someone that you knew shared your goals and your interests. And so the king often had a friend and a confidant. An advisor that would give the king advice and carry out his orders. And in order to do that, this person oftentimes had to be involved with all of the conversations leading up to the edicts. And so that trusted advisor would be there, right with the king at the seat of power. He would sit near to the king's throne so that he could hear everything. And guess where that seat was, uh, was seated, traditionally? It was at the king's right hand. That was the position of power 
and authority. That position spoke on behalf of the king and ruled. His word was the king's word. Now, unlike these earthly advisors, Jesus, he's far more than just a trusted confidant. Jesus Christ is God himself. No mere mortal is worthy of sharing the glory and honor of God. And so in one of those great mysteries of the Trinity, though they are one, God the Son sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. But he doesn't just sit. There, Jesus rules over all things. There, he carries out the will of the Father, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. There, all things are put under his feet, and he rules with unquestionable authority. Jesus Christ is God. He doesn't just sit back and let things happen. He hasn't left us to the whims and the wiles of the world. He alone rules and directs everything with his omnipotent power and his unfathomable understanding. He sits at the right hand of God, and he rules the universe with wisdom and power, and love. But as he does, he doesn't do so just by looking on from afar. Sometimes we think to ourselves that Jesus is up in heaven looking down at us and kind of handling things on the macro scale, but the details are sort of up to us. No. You see, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he did not leave us. Even though we don't see him in the flesh as the apostles did, Jesus is just as much with us as he was with them. In fact, because of the ascension, he is, in a way, with us even more than he was with them. While on earth, Jesus chose to limit his physical presence to one place at one time. Had he simply remained on earth the way that he was, he would still be doing so. And how often do you think he would get around to Loudoun, Iowa? But because he ascended into heaven, Jesus is free to dwell with each of us, no matter where we are. He is with us every Sunday as he promises that where even two or three are gathered in his name, there he is also. He is with us by his word, which assures us of our forgiveness and a word of power that works that forgiveness on each of us. He is with us as the head of the church, making us his body, working through us, and making us the fullness of him who fills all in all. He is with us in the waters of baptism, sanctifying them and cleansing us of our sin, joining us to him in his death to sin and his resurrection to eternal life. He is with us in his holy supper, coming to us physically to give us that same body and blood that ascended into heaven, making us partakers and full beneficiaries of his sacrificial death and resurrection. Though Jesus has ascended into heaven, though he sits at the right hand of God, he has not left us at all, because he is with us always, even to the end of the age, just as he promised. And in fact, we rejoice with the disciples that Jesus has ascended as he did. Because there, seated at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ himself intercedes for sinners like us. 
He is our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, proclaiming our forgiveness, presenting us to the Father as holy, innocent, and righteous because we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, his precious blood. When we sin, he says to the Father, I have paid for that transgression. Withhold your righteous wrath. This one is clothed in my righteousness. He continually proclaims that though our iniquity is deep, all those who look to him in faith are cleansed and we are forgiven. And because he does, because he is seated at the right hand of God with power, ruling all things, interceding for us, we have absolute assurance that he will come again the way that he was taken. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And when he does, our joy will have no end. Because he is almighty, because he is perfect, because he rules over all things, and because he intercedes for you, you will be taken in his loving arms and carried to that eternal paradise of heaven. And there, with your own eyes, you will see Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. There you will behold God himself as you stand in the flesh before his throne. There you will join the heavenly multitude and sing with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, rejoicing forever in that perfect sinless paradise that Jesus Christ has won for you. That's what ascension is all about. That's why we joyfully confess in all of our creeds and in all of our lives that Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. That's why we can have absolute certainty about our own ascension into heaven as well. Jesus Christ, the promised and delivered Messiah, was crucified, died, and was buried to pay the price of all your sins. On the third day, he rose again from the dead to open the gates of heaven and eternal life to all believers. And he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, where he rules over all things, where he intercedes for us before the Father, where he cleanses us of all of our sin. But even as he is seated in heaven, he is here with us on earth, in his word, in our fellowship with one another, in his blessed sacrament. The ascension of our Lord, it's not just a technicality. It's not just some minor detail for theology nerds to care about. The ascension of our Lord is a truly a cause for celebration. Celebration and joy that will have no end. We give thanks for the power, the might, the glory, and the love shown to us sinners as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has not left us even as he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of, the God, of God. We joyfully confess this truth to the entire world, and by that truth we look forward with absolute certainty to our own ascension as well. Not because of anything that we've done, not because of anything that we are, but because he himself has done it all for us. And by his cross, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, Eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.